Welcome to Pastor's Class, a Bible study program brought to you by Tim Say Ministries and Crossover Church. We pray this podcast will help enrich and strengthen your walk with Jesus Christ, and that it will lead you to read and study the scriptures more often. For more information about Tim Say Ministries and Crossover Church, please visit www.crossoverchurch.tv or give us a call at 301-927-5620. Good evening, good folks. My name is uh, Minister Cyrus, and so glad to be with you uh, on this evening. I promise you, it really is. um, It's always a pleasure um, when I find myself um, before you. And it's such a a, a benefit um, from God. Sometimes it can be a heavy benefit, but it's a benefit. And I wouldn't trade the walk that God would ordain for me for anything as you should never want to trade the walk that God has for you for anything. Um, Before I get started, just one quick thing I want to say. God has a great purpose and a design for each and every life in this place and in this house. My prayer, my desire for you is that you would desire not to emulate, not to duplicate, not to copy what anybody else is or is doing, but you would tap into and reach into what God has designed for you and the unique of who you are, and that you would embrace that with the fullness of all your heart and watch God draw you near as he shines you far. Amen? Amen. Well, tonight we're going to start a new series And it's called The Purpose in Your Waiting. The Purpose in Your Waiting. Who likes to wait? (laughs) Don't you just love it? Nobody likes to wait. Realistically speaking, you guys know that it really doesn't matter whether or not we like to wait. At some times in our lives, we're going to find ourselves waiting. Literally, a baby in a mother's womb is just waiting to get out. The mother and father are just waiting to see the child. When the child comes out, he's just waiting for someone to feed him, waiting for someone to change him, waiting for someone to burp him, just waiting, waiting, waiting. And sometimes it seems like in the waiting, it's never quick enough. It's never fast enough. It's never satisfying. But yet we have to wait any way just because we are who we are and God is who he is. Now, if you look around at each and every person in this place, some of us have waited, some of us are waiting, and some of us will be waiting to wait. That's just the cycle we're going to find ourselves in throughout life. We're going to always be waiting. But let me tell you this. Ultimately, The ultimate wait that you and I are waiting for is that we would be empowered to be witnesses of the true and living God. That's the ultimate wait. Sometimes you may think that you're just waiting to get a house. You're just waiting to get a car. You're just waiting for God to perfect his will in your life. You're just waiting to receive a word. You're just waiting to get a healing. You're waiting for someone to recognize your platform of ministry. But really what all this waiting is all about and all roads lead to being a witness for God. 
So if and by chance in all of that waiting, it's not tied somehow to pleasing God, you're going to find yourself waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and never entering into that place called fulfillment. Um, turn with me to Acts, the first chapter. And when you get to the first chapter, come down to verse 4. And when you get there, say amen so that I can know you there, and then we will read. Hallelujah and some. And the passage starts off at verse 4. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons which the father has put in his own authority. But the reality is you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, I love it because this 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 scenario takes place right after Jesus has been resurrected and he begins to appear giving final word to his disciples and the 12 who will become the apostles. That means those who are sent out. That's the difference between disciples and apostles. Disciples are those who follow, and then apostles are those who, after they followed, Jesus gives them assignment, and he sends them out with responsibility. Well, he had just started giving them instructions, and it's so awesome because the, one of the first or one of the last things he says is that you have to wait for the promise of the Father. Now, interestingly enough, this promise of the Father is something that he had been telling them about in all the days leading up to his crucifixion, resurrection, and then ultimately his ascension. He had been telling them that he was going to send a keeper, a, 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 a paracletos to be with them, to come alongside them and to walk and to help them do what they could not do for themselves. So it was not foreign that he had spoke of the promise. It was just now that the season of the promise was here and it was closer than it had ever been before. He then begins to say, he says, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. What he was saying is that in days gone by, John baptized you with the baptism of repentance. In days gone by, when God wanted to give you an assignment for a specific season or a time, he would allot his spirit on you for that task to accomplish that task and then he would draw back. 
What he is saying is now is that from henceforth and ever, from this moment, you shall be submerged, you shall be overwhelmed, you shall be filled and baptized in the Holy Spirit with power to be his witness. I love that because he's telling them that they're going to have power to be his witnesses, not only in Jerusalem, but in all these other places in Samaria and the like. Now, God is telling them all about this awesome power. And then they begin to ask, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, realistically speaking, what they were trying to say, will you restore us to the former place of glory like we were in the days of the patriarchs, Moses, Abraham and those. And, and geez, they're looking back to try and see if God is going to do what he did back then. But Jesus is showing them forward because literally what he did with Abraham, Moses and them in, the, in those days really was pointing forward. And so now they're looking back to see what he's done historically, but God is trying to do something presently and of the future contents in their life. Now, it's really interesting because he said to them, you know what? It's not for you to know times or seasons which the father has put in his own authority. In other words, you don't know, need to know the exact date that I'm going to do what I'm going to do. You just need to trust me. And if I said that I'm going to give you power to be my witnesses, then power to be my witnesses will take care of everything that you need in your life, whether or not I restore Israel as you believe that it should be and the day and the time that it should be done. The key thing is God is the Lord of the weight. Sometimes we want to know what God's going to do, when he's going to do it, how he's going to do it, who he's going to use, if I'll be involved, what color will I be wearing, how will I look. But the ultimate reality is, if it's God's journey and God's ride, get in the car. Just go where he's going. Follow where he's leading. Eat what he feeds you. He means you well. He's going to do you good. Has he failed you ever before? Certainly not. Certainly not. He's always been good. And he's still good for he never changes. Yesterday, today, and forever, the Lord remains the same. He is immutable, unchangeable, and he does not need to progress because he is all, he has been all, and he will always be A-L-L-O. Oh. That's the reality of the God we serve. And so God jumps back, Jesus jumps back, and he said, but listen, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So now the key thing is that it's not as though the promise is not coming. It's not as though Jesus is not going to keep his word. It's not as though he is incapable of keeping the word because he can only keep his word. But it's the ability of you and I to wait, to wait, to allow God to be God and allow you and I to do what we do, which is just worship and follow. Now, tonight we're going to look at three areas regarding the purpose in waiting and 
before we look at those three areas, let me just tell you, before we just, just a broad cover of everything, God has a plan. Say that, God has a plan. God has a plan. Say, I can trust his plan. Say, God is really, really good. He is not, nor ever has he been, a man so he can never lie. Put your hands together because that's the God that we serve. Now, as we look at this thing called God has a plan, the three areas that we're going to look is that a, the promise necessitates that you wait. B, the purge occurs while you wait. And C, the power comes as a result of your wait. Now, what I want to do is that before we jump in into these areas, I want to give you a couple of definitions so we're all on the same page. Is that all right? All right. The first definition I'm going to give you is wait. Wait means to look eagerly forward with expectation in a state of readiness reserved for the authorized opportunity to continue on as with expectation. To look eagerly forward with expectation in a state of readiness reserved for the authorized opportunity to continue on as with expectation. The next word, plan. Plan a design slash method for a specific final product or end result. God has a plan, a specific intended outcome for you and I. That takes the weight off of some of us right there. If I know that God has a plan, a specific outcome for me, I don't have to worry about everything in the middle. I don't even have to worry about the A. The only thing I have my eye focused on is the Z. Because by the time I get from A, come through all the rest and get to Z, I know God is going to have worked his good plan in my life. And by his own declaration, by his own standard, by his own doing, all things will have worked together for my good. And I will be in the place that he has ordained and orchestrated for me, and I will experience the benefit of that as I yield my life to him. The next word, promise. A declaration that something will or will not take place. A declaration that something will or will not take place. This is a definite assurance of future excellence or achievement. That means if you ride with God, that's your guaranteed success story right there, right there. The next word is purge, to clear of guilt slash uncleanliness, to remove an offense or allegation, to remove that which facilitates decay or poison. That's so important, to remove that which facilitates decay or poison. It's very necessary. Very necessary that you and I, one, as much as it depends on us, purge some things out of our life. Some things are just going to have to be cut off. And then there are going to be some things that we're going to hold on to and not want to get rid of. And then that comes the painful purge from God. 
But either way, we've got to yield to the process because if we hold on to those things, those things introduce toxins and poison into our system that if they stand there long enough, it will put you and I in a state of shock, which renders us unable to exercise the very power to be the witness that God has called you and I to be. Finally, power. That's delegated authority to exercise force slash strength to accomplish an attended purpose. Delegated authority. The key, the key word there is delegated. And, 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 and saints, we've got to remember the power that we possess by the nature of God's Holy Spirit in our life is not ours to do with as we please. It's a delegated power from the one true living God that must be used in accordance with his wishes at all times. If we misuse his abilities, his power, his authority in our lives, we set ourselves up for divine judgment. And I know sometimes we say, you know what, God is a mercy, he's loving, he's caring, he's forgiving, his mercy endures forever, forever, and all that's true. But the ultimate reality is we never know when God's mercy stops and his judgment begins. And so it would behoove us to get right with God, and as much as it depends on us, yield to God so that we could stay in a right place according to the work and the will and the plan of God. Amen? Amen. That was a lot of definitions. <laughs> Woo, Father. All right. Now, the promise necessitates that you wait. A, the promise necessitates that you wait. Turn with me to Acts, the first chapter, and come down to verse 9. And when you get there, let me say amen, and then we'll read together. Amen. Thank you much. Now... When he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they were looking steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in a like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying, Peter, James, John, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas the son of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brother. The promise necessitates that you wait. The first thing we want to look at regarding the promise necessitates that you wait is that Waiting doesn't always look like what we think it's going to look like. See, sometimes we just be standing up just waiting and looking and amazed and wowed. And, and I mean, we're doing all of that. And while we're just sitting there waiting, there is no progress 
no advancing taking place. Now, it's, it was really amazing how after Jesus ascended, you know, the disciples, they just stood there. They were just looking and amazed and wow. And I bet you for that moment, they probably forgot all about the fact that he said, I want y'all to get back to Jerusalem. Because when you get back to Jerusalem, there's a baptism going to take place. There's some power I want to give you so that you can be my witness. I bet you they forgot all about that. Because, see, where they were, they were at the Mount of Olives, Mount Olivet. That was a Sabbath day's journey away from Jerusalem. It's called a Sabbath day's journey because according to the Levitical law, you could only travel approximately a half a mile on the Sabbath day. So they were approximately a half a mile, but think, that's not a half a mile like we had today. We just get on our cars on our bikes. They didn't have cars or bikes, so they were walking. So it was approximately a Sabbath day's journey from the mount. And so they were just standing up there looking and then two angels appeared, or two men in white, and they said, why, why do you stand there looking? The same way that he ascended is the same way that he's coming back. <laughs> it's time for you to get to where you're going. You're supposed to be someplace. And I love that fact that the angels, the messengers of God, come and remind these men of God about where they're supposed to be. Because how many of you guys know, when we stand up and looking at the sky, we ain't advancing we ain't taking no steps, and if we do, we're going to be tripping and falling over each other. We ain't going nowhere. We don't have no destiny. We can't even focus where we're supposed to be going because we're looking up. And sometimes, even in our lives today, sometimes God has given us a promise. God has spoke to us things that we need to do, and we're still looking up at the Word. It's time to embrace the Word. It's time to embrace the spirits. It's time to put legs and feet to what God has spoken and what God says to do. It's time to put up your hands and do the work of the Lord. Looking was good for the revelation, but now it's time for application. That was okay at the moment, but you know that moment is past. That moment is past. And it was really awesome, you know, because when you think about waiting, you know, like I said earlier, nobody really likes to wait, you know, because it's like, I want what I want, when I want it. I mean, that, that's just the way it goes. We used to laugh, uh, my wife and I, um, when we used to go visit her grandmother in the nursing home during her latter days. And one of the things she would say, I want what I want. And sometimes she couldn't articulate nothing else, but she wanted what she wanted. And if you brought a milkshake in there, she couldn't say nothing else. She said, mm, boy, because she was ready. She wanted what she wanted. And so that's like some of us. We want what we want, but we don't realize that God has so much more. We've got quite a few uh, uh, nephews. They range in age from like late 30s, 39 to 40, all the way down to the youngest two are, are 20. And it's no strange thing for us to have gotten them over to the house and keep them when they were growing up. And then we still have one of our nephews. He's still there almost every other week, so he's really like ours. <laughs> and, uh, but it's just so awesome. And so we would get, a, get them for the weekend and stuff, take them out, do stuff with them. And the most we've ever had at, at a time is four of them at a time, and that was a whole lot. And, <laughs> and so one time I had three of them. And uh, so I'm taking them to the movies. So, okay, they're in my car. It's my gas. 
I know the way how to get there. I'm taking them to the movies. And after we go to the movies, we're going to get something to eat. Well, what was happening was that where I was living at the time and in my immediate vicinity, I didn't like the atmosphere of the movie theaters in that area. And I didn't think it was very conducive for them as young children to be there. And the environment was not what I considered consider to be safe. So when I looked at movie theaters, I said, you know what? I'm going to find some place that's family friendly and that it's calm. Because, you see, children don't realize this, but a lot of what parents do is to keep you safe. And, and it, they don't always say that, but what they're, say, what they're saying is that I want you to be able to grow up. I want you to live a long life. I want to make sure that you get the best out of life and that life doesn't ruin you. And so we get in the car and uh, I was thinking, I said, I found this good theater. I knew it was called the Skyline Cinema, all the way down in Falls Church, Virginia. <laughs> right? And see, y'all sound like the kids now. Y'all sound like, y'all sound like the kids. <laughs> Father, have mercy. Turn around and tell your neighbor, see, you got to learn how to wait. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I scoped that theater out, and it was a good, and it was it was a good atmosphere. So I get them in the car, make sure they got their seatbelts on, and everything like. And at that time, I'm living in Northeast DC. <laughs> so we get in the car, <laughs> we get in the car, we start driving, and and we hadn't even gone but a couple of blocks. One of my nephews said, "Are we there yet?" Not yet. <laughs> Woo! Then another one said, how long is it going to take to get to this place? <laughs> you know, frustration was setting in, right? Then another one said, why we got to go all this long way? <laughs> they had no clue I was looking out for them. And so... I did what I think God does to us sometimes. <laughs> Woo! Yes, I did. Can I get an amen? <laughs> I said, I said, you know what? I was thinking to myself, I said, y'all kids not going to undo me on this ride. <laughs> I'm trying to help you out. I'm trying to get you to see a movie say. So then my nephew said, well, how long is it going to take? Is it a long way? I just asked him a question. I said, <laughs> I said, well, you know, and mind you, by the way, they was all under 10. <laughs> I said, um, you know, I don't know if it's a long way because what I might think is a long way and what you might think is a long way is two different things. So when we get there, Tell me whether or not you thought it was long. <laughs> Woo! By the time we got there, he was still thinking about the question. 
And sometimes that's how God has to do us. We come questioning God about his will, his purpose, his plan. We riding in God's car on his gas, eating his food, enjoying his entertainment. And then we want to know why we got to go this way. Is that right? Wow. And now you know. Now you know. I said, my Lord. But the one thing that I realize is that we've got to change our disposition regarding the weight because a lot of times we see the weight as something being kept from us, but a lot of time the weight is just a method of journey of getting us to where we need to be in a safe manner. Now the next thing is that you got to engage the weight. You got to engage the weight, not reject the weight. Do you know that how you wait has everything to do with the one that you're waiting on? Do you know that? How you wait has everything to do with whom you're waiting for. The way that you wait on someone, something that's coming your way is indicative of what you believe about the one who has the ability or the capability to bring you what you are waiting for. So if you're waiting and you're complaining and you're bitter, chances are you don't really believe that the one who is able to bring you what you're waiting for is acting on your behalf or that you can trust them or that they mean you good. So when we complain and get bitter and think God is taking too long, literally what we're saying is that, God, I don't trust your timing. I don't trust that you can do this in my time. But the ultimate reality is, whoever said it would be your time in my time? It's all about God's time. See, the wait is about perfecting us, getting, there, getting us there safely and in a whole manner. So we've got to look at how we regard the one that we're waiting for. The next thing we got to realize is that the weight is your pathway to what you're looking for. It's like that's the street that takes you where you want to go. You cannot get to the place where you want to go without getting on the pathway called weight. Understand the street, avenue, highway called weight is a required necessity for each and every one of us. And so when you don't want to ride on that road called wait, what you're saying is that I don't want to get to the destination that God has prepared for me anyway. I want to do it my way. I want to have, I want what I want, and I want it right now. But the ultimate reality is you guys know that if we don't wait, there's a serious danger that instead of getting God's Best thing, we may settle for some old good thing. And more than likely, most of us won't even settle for some old good thing. We'll just be glad to get some old anything. Some old anything. Some old anything as a mate. Some old anything as a job. Some old anything as a, what we consider to be an answer to prayer. We'll just, we'll just take something and make it into something that is not trying to get a dollar out of 15 cents. 
and it can never be that because that's not what God has ordained and orchestrated for your life or my life. You and I have got to learn that the promise of God always necessitates that we wait. And here's the thing. If God is the Lord of the wait, you're not in the wait all by yourself. Turn to your name and say, you're not in the wait by yourself. God is with you. Leading, guiding, taking. And he has empowered you so that you can extract what you need from the weight, and then you can keep it moving. Keep it moving. Put your hands together just because God is good. The next thing we want to look at is that the purge occurs while you wait. Turn with me to the 15th chapter of Acts. I mean, I'm sorry, we're at the first, first chapter, 15th verse. My Lord, I'm moving fast. I don't want to wait till I get to the end. <laughs> My Lord, heaven, help me to wait. Mm. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples altogether. The number of names was about 120 and said, men and brethren, this scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke before by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who had became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered with us and obtained a part in this ministry. Now this man purchased a field with the wages of iniquity, and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, and all his entrails gushed out. And it became known to all those dwelling in Jerusalem, so that field is called in their own language, Akel Dama, that is, field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, let his dwelling place be desolate, and let no one live in it, and let another take his office." Therefore, of those men who have accomplished us, who have accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John to that day when he was taken up from us, one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. And they proposed two, Joseph called Barsabbas, who was surnamed Justice and Matthias. And they prayed and said, you, O Lord, who know the hearts of all, Show which of these two have chosen, you have chosen to take part in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas, by transgression, fell that he might go to his own place. And they cast their lots, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the 11 prophets, the, the 11 apostles. Prophets, apostles, huh, huh. Ooh. Okay, now here the thing that I want you to remember is that you must always remind yourself of what God has said. After you're in that place called waiting, and they're in the upper room now. They're praying. They're petitioning God. They're doing what God has said done. The power of the Holy Spirit has not come on them yet. But it's like Peter calls into remembrance what the scriptures have said. And he speaks to a situation that was definitely uh, overwhelming for them because one of their own turned in Jesus and turned on Jesus and literally turned his back on the rest of the group. And so here, Peter stands up and he begins to talk about the things that Jesus said and what scripture says. And it begins to remind him 
of his duty, his assignment. He begins to speak and declare it so much so that he moves the other brothers to action. And then what they do is they go and they find one among them who can take the place of Judas Iscariot. Now, the interesting part about this that is just so powerful, because when it says, and in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples, I think that's just phenomenal. And I think it's just phenomenal because it's not because he's standing up and, and talking, but in the beginning, when we first see Peter in the beginning of the gospel, he's very brash, he's very outspoken, you know, he's very declarative and very demonstrative. But one of the, the last things that we see in, in the gospel is that Peter denied Jesus three times just before he was crucified. Now, I tell you, it's awesome to see Peter speaking right here because just before the book of John closes out, Jesus and, and Peter have a very intimate conversation. And Jesus says, Simon Peter, do you love me? The first time, he said, Lord, you know I love me. What God was doing, he was touching that first denial. He was granting healing. He was purifying him of the guilt. And then he asked him again. He said, Simon Peter, do you love me? And he said, Lord, I love you. Then he said, feed my sheep. He was touching that second denial. Then a third time, Jesus asked him another time. He said, Simon Peter, do you love me? And then Peter said, Lord. And he was a little bit disappointed and hurt by then. He said, Lord, you know all things. And then he said, feed my sheep. But then what's interesting is that he tells Peter, he said, you know, and you will feed my sheep. And there's coming a time as you get older that when you're young, you can go and come how you want to go. But as you get older, your hands are going to be bound. Others are going to dress you and they're going to take you to a place that you don't want to go. He was speaking in reference to the type of death that Peter would deny that would glorify Jesus. Now, I say this is awesome because here we have Peter, this same Peter who denied Jesus three times, yet on the crux, on the verge of receiving the power of the Holy Spirit, he is walking and carrying the forgiveness of God. And the forgiveness of God is what ushers him to the place and grants him to be a proponent for the reception of the Holy Spirit in his life. Same as it is with you and I. We don't get this power of the Holy Spirit, this baptism, because we're so great or we're deserving of it. We get it because God is so good and we have conceded that we are in need of forgiveness and that we need him to live this life that we live in. And I love the fact, I love the fact that when you look at this issue again, and let me go right there. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples altogether. 
The number of names was about 120 men, and he's speaking, and he's declaring the word of God, and then he begins to articulate about Judas. What's so awesome there, and I love this, and this just speaks to the power of God. Sometimes you just got to wait where you are, encounter God, let God wants to do with you, what he wants to do with you, where you are, and then move in advance forward. Do you know the major difference between Peter and Judas was that even though Peter denied Jesus three times, he didn't take his life. He went back and he repented. Judas, overwhelmed with what he had done, having no desire to get closer, he realized that what he did was wrong, but he didn't recognize Jesus as the ultimate, ultimate source of life. And because he didn't recognize him as the ultimate, ultimate source of life, even though he had been around him, even though he had heard a lot of things, even though he had spent a lot of time with the church folk, somehow he never engaged the fool of who Jesus was. And that should be encouragement to you and I, because that should let you know when you fall down, if you fall down, because you don't have to, when indicates that you have to, if denotes that you don't have to, but if you do, you have a savior. The reality is, the reality is, if you fall, know that God is there to forgive you if that's what you desire. Know that the forgiveness has already been given ultimately in reality. He doesn't have to give it again. You just have to walk in it and receive it. It's there. Stick your foot in the water. Get in. Be forgiven. Saints, there's no reason for you and I to walk this life and not be forgiven for the things that we have done. If we are not forgiven, it's because we have not asked. If we asked and we appropriate the forgiveness in our lives that God has given us through the Son, Jesus Christ, then we can be forgiven and we can walk a liberated life and we can be yielded in the Holy Spirit and we can do all those greater works that Jesus has said that we could do. Do you know that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not mystical? It literally means that now you are yielding to the power that God has placed on you. And in the atmosphere, you are yielded. You can be baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit and still go out here and do the wrong thing because it's an issue of continually yielding to the heart and to the mind of God at all times. You can operate in the gifts of God today and act foolish tomorrow because it's an actual continual feeling and being yielded. Saints choose to be yielded and wait on God. And remember, there are going to be some things that God is going to pull off of your life and pull out of your life. But the ultimate reality is, is that that's because he loves you. We're not going to finish tonight. We got so much more, so we're going to finish this next week. But one more thing I want to let you know about the purge. As you're going through the process of waiting and God is purging things from off of your life, you got to realize you can have no confidence in the flesh. Your confidence has got to be in the spirit of God. There are things in your life and my life that has to die in the desert experience of our life, if you know what I mean. See, there are some things that not only, we say purge, and that's putting it nice, but there are some things that God has to kill in you and I 
because it is not appropriate for the promised land. It is not appropriate for being filled with the Holy Spirit. It is not appropriate for yielded, blood-bought believers. How do I know that? Because the Bible tells me so. Turn to Numbers, the 14th chapter, real quick. And when you get to the 14th chapter, come down to verse 26. And say amen when you get there. And scripture reads as follows. Now, to set this up real quickly, what had happened was that the, the Israelites, they were just about to go into the promised land. And God set them up to go into the promised land. And they counseled among one another, and uh, they decided they weren't going to go into the promised land. And not only did they decide they weren't going to go, but they began to complain against God. And they said, um, were there not enough graves in Egypt? Did God bring us out here to fight against these people with, that we may be killed with the sword and then our sons and our daughters and our wives will become victims? And so that was their declaration after God was telling them just to go in and possess the land. And so here's God's response to them. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, how long shall I bear with this evil congregation? who complain against me. I have heard the complaints which the children of Israel make against me. Say to them, as I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I will do to you. The carcasses of you who have complained against me shall fall in this wilderness. All of you who were numbered according to your entire number from 20 years old and above, 40 years in the desert while God purged those who didn't have the proper mindset and the proper receptivity to him. Let me tell you, in the purge process, God is peeling some stuff off of our lives. There's some stuff that he's removing from us just because it can't enter in to where we need to be. Be encouraged, saints. God loves us more than we know. The process sometimes feels uncomfortable and it hurts a little bit. But can I tell you, when you're in the process of God, when he's purging you, it's not fatal. It's a scrape. It's a bump. It's a a boo-boo. Put some Bactine and a a Band-Aid on it and you're still living. You're still in the race. God is doing you a favor. You don't have the poisons in your system. He's taking away any and everything that would hinder you from being what he has called you and I to be. So the reality is the weight is not bad. The purge is not bad. But remember this, no matter what, there is a purpose in your waiting Look to the hills from whence cometh your help and know that the same God that you're depending on to save you is the same God who's Lord over your weight and will keep you not only from A, but through A and all the way to Z and then from eternity to eternity to eternity and then to infinity because that's who he is. Think you can wait a little bit for God? I know I can. Put your hands together for Jesus and rise on your feet. Woo!
Thank you for listening to Pastor's Class. We hope you enjoyed this program. For more messages and Bible study teachings, please visit www.crossoverchurch.tv or give us a call at 301-927-5620. If you live in the D.C., Maryland, or Virginia area, come visit us at our home location, 5340 Baltimore Avenue, Hyattsville, Maryland, 20781. Pastor's Class is a weekly Bible study that occurs Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. at our home location. We would love for you to join us. May God bless you and guide you as you continue to study to show thyself approved in the grace of Christ Jesus.